Hi, welcome to Prayana, the NRI podcast. I'm Arun Balaraman and every episode I will speak to an Indian expat and listen to their story about life abroad. Stuck between being a Desi and a Videshi, we chronicle the long journey to success in an alien land. Is life abroad full of money, success, romantic dates and vacations? Or is it filled with loneliness, long winters, takeaway food and counting days? to the next India visit. Tune in as I speak to my friends from across the world about their prayana. Today, I'm joined by my friend Anand Leonard from the German capital Berlin. Anand and I are childhood friends for over 18 years. Ever since I know him from our college days, He wanted to live in Germany. He took a long and hard path and finally made it. His story is one of perseverance, dedication, love and some sheer luck. It took him 33 years to live his dream. On the other hand, I never thought or dreamt of living in Germany, but somehow I ended up there before him. Life unfolds in mysterious ways. Born and raised in Bangalore, Anand is a German teacher in Germany. That is almost like Tamil superstar Vijay saying, From having scored zero in biochemistry to being a German teacher, how did he end up here? Let's uncover the full prayana. Welcome to the show, Anand. I must say now, that was some intro and uh, honestly, I never felt that my Prayana could, this, uh, could sound this exhilarating too. Uh, but tell me something, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this should be uh, the very first episode of Prayana, right? Yes, absolutely. This is the first episode of uh, Prayana. You are my first guest. Uh, uh, I was thinking of who I should invite and uh, of course, you were the first name uh, that came up. And uh, it's great that you're in Berlin. But uh, you are hoping that I do not bring up the zero that you scored in biochemistry, right? <laughs> well, you know what? That is exactly what my worry was. And I'll tell you right away, if uh, we are going to have this conversation about uh, my uh, degree, grades and scores, then we are going to call it with right now. As long as it's not, uh, you know, talking about my grades, then I'm more than happy sharing my prayana with you. <laughs> Just to be clear, I scored one mark more than you in that exam. <laughs> yeah, well, but uh, almost anything and everything is better than a zero, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, Anand, uh, tell me about, uh, that, I mean, I know about you, but uh, you need to tell our listeners about yourself and what is a Bangalore boy doing in Berlin? Uh, well, okay, a quick formal interview or uh, intro about myself. Uh, as you already, already mentioned, I'm, I was born and brought up in Bangalore, spent 32 years of my life uh, in Bangalore, uh, was born and brought up there, my schooling, my colleging uh, and everything else. And now all of a sudden, this is the first time ever that I'm living outside India or to be more specific out of Bangalore after 32 uh, long years. And uh, yes, it is quite nostalgic and I must admit that the city, which personally means a lot to me, has definitely played its part in shaping uh, my prayana. 
Wonderful, but then you still haven't answered my question. What is a Bangalore boy doing in Berlin? How did you get there? Uh, well, I thought we will uh, keep the uh, surprising facts a little bit more. But uh, well, yes. Now that you uh, asked me again, uh, as you already mentioned, I am a German language trainer or teacher by profession, and uh, that is uh, what brings me to Germany. And uh, added to that, uh, it is also my wife, uh, as you know. But well, uh, to our listeners too, uh, my wife uh, is a German national, and uh, that is uh, one of the uh, main reasons uh, why uh, I decided to move to Germany. Move to Germany along with my wife. You married a German. Now, how did that happen? I remember the both of us struggled to get a single date in college, and suddenly, and now you're married to a German. Yeah, well, uh, you uh, never really know. As you, sh- I, as you said, I think I would uh, go back to uh, the last bit of my intro where you said uh, sheer luck. So I guess a luck does play a part. And the German teacher in me should also say that it was, as we would say in German, es war mein Schicksal. It uh, literally translated means I guess it was fated to be this way. I clearly did not understand a single word of the German that you spoke. So that kind of shows that I probably wasted away my two years in Germany. So Anand, uh, you, you said you teach uh, you teach uh, German to uh, in Berlin. How is that working out for you? Well, yeah, uh, I have been working for the past four months as a German language trainer in a couple of private institutes. And uh, my uh, course uh, function as a German language trainer involves in me uh, teaching uh, students in the age group of 17 to 30 uh, who are uh, non-Germans, not necessarily non-Europeans, but non-Germans from across the world, I would say from South America, from Asia, from North America, from Africa, and uh, it is to these students uh, I predominantly uh, teach German language. Okay, there's there's a popular perception uh, that German is a difficult language. Uh, What would you say about that? As per some right-wing WhatsApp groups, I have learned that Sanskrit and German are very similar. Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, I think, yeah, if you look at it, you know, they fall into this, uh, 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 you know, category of the Indo-Germanic languages, right? So, you know, that is where, you know, Sanskrit and later on, you know, Hindi, they all fall into the same uh, group, you know, be it German and quite a few other uh, European languages, right? Latin, beginning right with Latin, they all fall into the same group. Whereas our South Indian languages come from the Dramedian family. So there is a difference in that aspect. But uh, Sanskrit students definitely do tend to, uh, you know, pick up and understand I, the language. I, I, and that is what I want to say. I was a Sanskrit student. Yes. I, I can't remember a word of Sanskrit and well, I'm fast forgetting German. So well, okay, that says a lot more it, about then. me. <laughs> than me. <laughs> so yeah, so we shouldn't be believing the right wing, whatever they say. Yes. Anyways, um, Arden, so... So the show is all about like, you know, tracing your journey. That's why, that's why I've uh, called it Prayana. Tell me a little bit about your childhood and your uh, parents. Yeah, well, absolutely, Arun. I mean, uh, you know, this is the first time in my life that I've ever moved out of Bangalore. All these years, uh, the first 32 years of my life uh, was uh, spent in Bangalore, which would mean my schooling, my colleging, my 
friends, my family, uh, everything uh, is uh, back in Bangalore and coming to my family. Yes, my family is still very much in uh, Bangalore. Uh, you know my family pretty well. My family consists of uh, my parents, my mom, my dad and my brother and also my sister-in-law. And uh, yeah, well, as you will know, my uh, uh, dad, you work for... Uh, uh, close to 35 to 40 odd years in a factory uh, as a machine operator and retired about four years ago. My mom retired just a few months ago, that was in November 2019, and she, uh, as you very well know, was a teacher. She was working in this government aided school as a language teacher. She was sure. involved in teaching Canada and Hindi uh, 41 years of her life. Oh, that's amazing! But then, uh, if I'm not, if you are a Tamilian and uh, your your mom's teaching Kannada in school, that's that's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It's uh, I can very much relate to it uh, because my mom is also born, brought up in Bangalore, and she was born and brought up in Pinya. And I'm sure Pinya is a well-known, uh, you know, uh, part of the town in Bangalore, and that part of. Uh, a Bangalore predominantly has the local population even now. So right. my mom's schooling uh, was completely in a Kannada medium school. And even when she did her teacher training program, she did it purely in Canada, And that was a conscious decision uh, taken by her dad. And, you know, much later in life and all throughout her teaching career, my mom has always been thankful to that particular decision which her dad made where he said that, you know, this could pay off for, uh, you know, a pair of uh, going forward in life. And as we all know, it very well did. It always amazes me sometimes how our parents have a lot of influence uh, on our lives, knowingly or unknowingly. And this seems like, you know, one of those times where your mom has influenced, uh, definitely influenced you as a person, but also your career. Absolutely. And you know what, Arun, I mean, like, you know, now that you mention it, and I think this is maybe the first time that I'm sharing it and, you know, I'm doing it over a podcast, but I uh, now, you know, to, would probably like to take this opportunity to say a huge thanks, right? Because I think yeah. about it, I realize that, you know, in our younger days, you know, we try and distance ourselves from our parents, right? When, you know, there are people trying to say, hey, you know what, you know, you are like your mom, or even a few years back when, you know, uh, a few of my friends or relatives said, hey, you are also, you also want to get into the teaching profession, uh, just following in the footsteps of your mom. I consciously tried to distance myself saying, hey, you know what, I'm teaching German, you know, that's got, it's got nothing to do with what my, uh, my mom did teaching in a school. Yeah. But now yeah. I realize that, uh, you know, there is not, there is no harm in it, right? And I should yeah. really take this opportunity to, you know, to say, uh, uh, you know, to thank my mom, you know, for having been yeah. an influence without my own knowledge. And there is, yeah. I now feel that, you know, there is no harm in having similarities with your parents. Absolutely. And and, and like you said, at, at, the, at the end of the day, it's about, uh, you know, teaching a language that is out of your comfort zone. And for her, it is definitely out of her comfort zone, considering that it is not her mother tongue. And she did it. And you're doing something similar today. Absolutely. And you know what, the day I made this decision uh, saying that uh, I would like to uh, teach German as a foreign language, I still can very clearly remember wherein my mum just said that at least one son of mine is following in my footsteps, right? And she really was really happy and proud about this fact. And I can totally relate to that, you know, moment of happiness and joy. On the next episode of Prayana, 
I speak to an old friend from Sydney, Australia, a man of many talents, Dominic Johnson. Apart from being a successful sales professional, Johnny is a well-known singer, an accomplished guitarist, college basketball pro, a loving husband, and a doting father. He is multifaceted and there are many things he can do. However, one little thing has eluded him for many years. To find out more, tune into the next episode of Prayana. Welcome back. Anand, there was a time in college I remember you choosing science because you wanted to get into the armed forces, take the NDA exams. Clearly that did not happen. All that I can recollect is that you had a lot of fun in college. Absolutely. What was I like in college? Well, now if I think, uh, uh, look back at it, I must definitely say that I was nothing but a brat. I still remember uh, that those three years of our degree days. I clearly had one 200 page notebook, which I used for three years of our degree. (laughs) Physics chemistry and math and even at the end of three years uh, my notebook the 200 page notebook did not finish so that speaks a lot about how I was like in college I'm sure you would remember that (laughs) (laughs) yeah that must still be some kind of record till date one book all subjects three years but tell me something how did you transition from being an admirer of a country to picking up, learning the language with so much of passion. Uh, well, uh, it might sound funny, but I was quite very, I was very much active in the church youth group. And we would, uh, on Sundays, right, after we finished the morning uh, uh, masses, in the evenings, me and my uh, friends from the church youth group, my brother included, would go to uh, the priest's house, which was about uh, five to six kilometers away from where we stayed. And uh, there we would all get together and we would play football. So that was a nice community bonding, uh, you know, where we would get to play football and thereafter catch up for tea and have discussions about the game. And there were a bunch of people who were all uh, equally uh, passionate about the game. So this was the phase, you know, when I was, uh, you know, very eagerly sharing my passion that I shared for Germany and for Bayern Munich. And the priest that found it amusing and funny, but at the same time, very interesting too. And uh, there was this one uh, German priest there uh, by the name of uh, Father uh, John Unkel, uh, you know, who uh, caught my attention. Uh, he was he was a very very uh, uh, nice gentleman, and I uh, remember reaching up to him uh, after a few months of uh, after having gotten to uh, know him, and uh, expressing uh, uh, to him my interest of wanting to learn German. And he was like silent, and then uh, he was like, he was like this cliche characteristic, right? That the world tends to associate with Germans, you know, uh, which to a certain extent holds true and to a certain extent not as well. He took his time, he grilled me for almost a month to see on how dedicated I was in wanting to learn the language. And after a month of having interviewed me and grilling me, he agreed to teach me. So, Father Tom Unkel was my first German teacher. And I still owe him my gratitude as to that is what set the tone for my unwavering and fanatical passion for the language. Wow, quite an unusual experience to be learning from a priest. 
But having been coached by a native early on in your learning experience has definitely helped you. How did you eventually move to Goethe? I remember going uh, along with my dad to inquire about uh, the kind of courses that they had to offer and the pricing. And after having informed myself, the very following week, I registered myself for the very beginner's level, which is called as the A1 level. Yeah. Right. And uh, these classes were to be held from Mondays to Fridays uh, between nine in the morning to 1230 in the afternoon. And that was five days a week. Right. And since I already had prior knowledge of the language, I decided to opt uh, to do the super intensive style uh, course for the very beginner's level. That is why the super intensive course would be for a period of six weeks, but Mondays right. to Fridays. Yeah. Right. So this mean this meant I had to make a decision. Uh, would it mean that for six weeks I give up on attending college in my final year degree? Right. Or would I prefer to do my German course? And to be very honest, the decision was very easy. I said, chuck it. Degree is not important. I'm going to literally spend six weeks of my life learning the language in such an awesome place, in such an awesome atmosphere. And I... I still remember how I bunked six weeks of college uh, and only did my uh, uh, German course. And yeah, I still I'm sure, I'm sure, your first, I'm sure your first two years course in BSc would have helped this decision. <laughs> True. And I'm sure many of them found it weird, funny and stupid and ridiculous too. And when come to think about it now, I guess maybe they were right. Wonderful. So fast forwarding, you uh, you you ended up doing all the all the levels uh, at uh, at at the Max Miller Bhavan in Bangalore. Absolutely right. So I started off with the A1 yeah. level, and yeah. I uh, ended up uh, do uh, finishing uh, the final uh, level, which is called the C2 level. So right. from A1 to C2, we're talking about seven levels, and sure. I did this continuously without a break for a span of three and a half years. So it took me three and a half years to finish my C2 level. Wow, sehr schnell. It means quite fast in my rudimentary German. How did you support yourself financially during that time? Yeah, uh, so once we were done with the degree, right? So uh, uh, I, I had really no clue on what I wanted to work because by then my interest on joining the armed forces was out of the window. So that was definitely out of the question. So right. I said that, okay, let me take a couple of months off. Anyway, at the point of time, I was still doing, I was doing my A2 level, right? When we right. got done with degree, I was doing my A2 level. I said that, okay, let me take a couple of months time. Anyway, I have my German course to keep me going. I'm not going to get bored. And then we will see, right, what happens. And uh, that is when uh, one fine day I was again at the institute. I was just going through the notice board. And I saw a very uh, attractive looking uh, poster, uh, you know, that was put up. It was a poster put up by this uh, travel company called as Enchanting India. It is right. It is now called as Enchanting Travels, but back then it was called as Enchanting India. And I quickly flipped through that. And what caught my attention was this two, uh, were these two lines right at the end saying that German speakers required. So the very first year I worked as an assistant travel consultant. And in that first year I continued doing my German courses as well. And after that, you know, uh, looking at my potential and um, me being a guy who always 
like to work with people. I like working with people. I'm a people to people guy, right? I don't like sitting just in front of a system and working with a system, right? So that yeah. is exactly the reason why I chose to join a travel firm as compared to the other decision made by my classmates back then who ended up joining uh, Bosch, right? Because Bosch uh, in Bangalore was also recruiting Germans uh, for yeah. translation, yeah. right? And even back then, translation uh, would uh, was a well-paid job. Yes. Right. And I still remember me starting off uh, at a certain amount, and my friends who were at the same point of time started off at Bosch. They were earning twice as much as I did, because my pure purpose of learning the language was never to earn money. Right. I did not learn language to get a job in a German firm. I did not learn the language to earn more money. I did not learn the language because I wanted to. Uh, move to Germany or study, right? My only and sole purpose of language was passion, passion, and my love, right? And all at that point of time, all that I wanted to figure out was what would be the means by which I can further develop my knowledge of this language. And that is how I made this decision to work for a travel company because I realized that that would give me further opportunities to work with people, right? And when I say work with people, it also means getting to know Germans in this case, wherein when I would get to know Germans, I would also have the opportunity of getting to know the culture, right? And I realized during my language course that uh, learning the language uh, of a country also means getting to know the culture of a country. So language and culture go hand in hand. So that was why I made this decision of joining a travel firm and not, you know, freelancing or doing an internship with uh, the likes of Bosch. Yeah, not many people can claim to do that clearly shows how uh, how passionate you are about uh, the language. So did you get a chance, uh, considering that you were working for uh, a travel firm, did you get a chance to travel to Germany? Absolutely, right. And uh, you know what, that was also a driving force for me. Uh, you know, okay. after, my first, after my first couple of years, 2006 to 2008, my boss walked up to me one day, he said, uh, Anand, you're, you're, you're performing well, uh, but uh, you know what, this year, we're going to keenly watch your performance. And if you perform to our expectations, uh, the next year, that is in the year 2010, we will take you along uh, to Germany. And I was like, wow. And I said, that's enough. So I still remember that year 2009 to 2010, I slogged it off. I gave it my all because I knew my goal, right? I knew that this is what my boss promised and I wanted to get that. And it finally happened in 2010 is when I first, my first ever flying out of the country and I traveled to Berlin, right? And why Berlin? Uh, because uh, every year in Berlin, uh, even until now, in March, the world's largest travel fair happens in Berlin called the ITB, and I'm sure you must have heard of it. So I got the honor of representing my uh, travel company in this uh, trade fair. And you know what, this was the moment because I realized that I had worked hard, right? I had worked hard to earn this first trip of mine to my uh, country of uh, dream and passion. And 2010 was when it finally happened. So how was, how was it there to be in Germany for the first time? What did you feel? Uh, well, it was surreal, Arun. I was like, I, I really couldn't believe that this was uh, happening. And, but it was happening. And I, re- and I had made a decision for myself. I said that, Anand, you can speak the language. 
to a great extent. So make the most of this and see, or uh, you know, to what extent your knowledge of the language is going to help you. So I consciously decided that I'm going to travel alone. Right, my colleagues decided to fly together. I said that no, I will fly alone. I will land alone at the airport, and I will. That will be my first challenge with my. Look, in a city like Berlin, even without German knowledge, you can get from A to B. But I said that this is where I am going to uh, challenge myself and see uh, as to how I am going to, uh, uh, you know, for example, from the airport, uh, reach the hotel on my own uh, using my German language skills. Yeah, and, yeah, and, smart, and smartphones weren't that popular in those days, so you could have absolutely used not. Definitely. Absolutely not. They had these regular Nokia's, right? That yeah. was the phone that I still had back then. Yeah. So, and I still realized the very first thing, right? I landed in Berlin, the Berlin uh, airport, and uh, you know, I had the address of the hotel, and I had to take a taxi. So, you know, everything was new, right? You know, the smell, you know, you know, the sounds and everything else was new, right? But uh, I was always tracing back to, you know, uh, the cultural aspect of this country that I had learned in my German classes. And it really was helping me to orient myself a little better. And I decided that, okay, I had read it or my teachers uh, had told me that in, in Europe or in Germany, there are uh, lady taxi drivers. And around that day, right. in India or in Bangalore, we didn't have, uh, you know, now we have, but we didn't have women driving taxis, right? Yes. And I said that, oh, wow, I would like to try this. It could be something new and uh, different. So I was standing in this queue, you know, to take to board a taxi. And I consciously waited until a taxi came by, uh, you know, which was driven by a, a lady. And I got into that taxi. And you know right. what? It was, it was the very first time I actually traveled in a Mercedes because in in, in Germany, even the local taxis are Mercedes and your Audis. And this was yeah. my first time ever traveling in a Mercedes. And it was a taxi. And I was like, wow, this is something. Yeah. You know, so you can imagine, right? I was, I was like on cloud nine, you know? And, uh, you, you know, the very first impressions were, you know, the silence on the street. You know, when I mean to say the silence, you know, that of all of a sudden coming from Bangalore, I realized that, okay, there are so many cars and bikes uh, moving on the street, but nobody was honking. And I was like, wow, I, I remember reading this, but it is actually true, right? People, and it's not a single soul was honking. Even if you're in a traffic or the signals, right? There was no noise on the streets. And yeah. uh, to uh, you know, the very first few days, I still remember that since it was so silent, I had tough time sleeping in the night. Because back home in India, we are used to sleeping with some kind of noise or the other, right? 24 yeah. bar 7. And yeah. here all of a sudden, it was so silent. And believe me, I was a little scared. I was like, oh my God. And it took me a couple of nights to actually get used to the silence, you know. And that was weird. That was really weird feeling. And this, I think that I was trying to come to terms with on my own. Right. Yeah. I really didn't have something I could share with. But I was like analyzing and, you know, uh, you know, trying to come uh, on my own. And the you know what the second feeling was that I, for the first time, was a foreigner. Right? All my life in India, I didn't have any foreigner. <laughs> you know, somebody looked at me and I said, "Hey, that's a foreigner." I was like, "Okay, even I can be a foreigner, right?" So this was the you know other feeling you know that hit me. Wow! From being a foreigner in Berlin to earning a living in Berlin, that is quite a transition. I, for a fact, know that your wife Eva played a big role in this. Yes. Right, so uh, uh, my wife, uh, Eva, uh, uh, came to Bangalore, to the Goethe Institute Bangalore, 2015 August. Right? She came in as a guest teacher, and I had started my teacher's training program in 2015 June. 
So uh, just uh, after a couple of months is uh, when uh, AFA, my current wife, also came in. And you know what, Arun, when I was doing my teacher training program, right, so I also uh, wanted to earn a bit of money, right? I had to keep myself going because I was also huh? wanting to uh, finance myself on my own. I never really wanted to trouble my parents. Even my entire German course, you know, I used to finance myself by working because I didn't want to bother my parents. So I wanted to continue to finance myself. So I also started working at the library at the Goethe Institute. So I was uh, working the second half of the day and the first half is when I used to attend my uh, classes. It used to be like five days a week. And you know, the classes were a mix of theory and practicals. We would have like theory classes and practical classes would involve us sitting in a live classroom and observing other experienced teachers, right? On how exactly would we go about conducting classes. And then after we were done with the practical session, we would come back and share our experiences within our group members. And that is how the entire two year program was structured. And yes, so 2015 is also when AFA came in. And uh, well, when she initially came in, um, she was a colleague, right? Because I was also working there. And it was, uh, well, uh, I don't know, it, it might sound uh, funny, but she actually ended up being my teacher. Would you like to be featured in the show? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Drop a line to prayanapod at gmail.com So cut to the present. You live in a very interesting part of Berlin. I've been to Berlin a few times and my opinion about East Berlin was quite typical. I thought it's going to be dark and you know, it's, 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 it's going to be seeped in history. Until my most recent visit, when I visited you on the eastern side, and to my surprise, it was lovely. It was littered with cafes and definitely had a very strong smell of weed on the streets. Yes, right. So we live in this a very, uh, uh, you know, this part of Berlin that we live in is actually uh, called as the RT place, right? So Berlin Central has a share of artists. So this is right now the most happening place in Berlin, you know, where you have a lot of artists from varied fields staying in this part of the town and that tends to add to the charm of the place that we are living in. Anand, now that you lived in Berlin for a while, what makes it so different from a typical German city? We know that Germans like to standardize every aspect of their life. Still, clearly, Berlin is an outlier. Many German friends have privately confessed they may not really want to live in Berlin but expats absolutely love the place. Why is Berlin so unique? A very very important aspect uh, uh, which is very typical to Berlin I would say is Berlin is divided into 12 districts within Berlin Mm -hmm. and each zone or each part of these 12 zones that you go to in Berlin is different from the other. Right for example uh, I'm now staying in East Berlin and there is another place if you would go it's called Neuchern and this place has a huge uh, Arab population living out there, right? right? So if you go to this place, you 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 get a feeling that you're not in Germany. It looks like you're in uh, in Arab country because you can see all the restaurants and you know all the neighborhoods all in Arabic. Yes. And you know you know the kind of music that is played out there, the kind of food that you get mm-hmm. out there, the kind of restaurants. And, you know, that is the charm, right? Nobody's worried about it. You know, everybody, you know, that is also Berlin. 
and this is also berlin and if you go to the center part of berlin it is the more posh part of germany which uh, you know uh, people might relate to in other parts of germany but yeah. everything put together is still berlin right and that still makes berlin what it is and everybody uh, uh, you know has chooses where he or she would like to be in which part of berlin would like to be and uh, yeah. you end up being that enjoy that part so i think these are the uh, you know very unique aspects that make berlin what it is well a truly unique city but let's also talk about german stereotypes there are a lot of them out there germans in many different countries they could be on an empty road there could be no vehicles but they will stand at the signal and wait for the green light for the pedestrian to cross the road they are not going to cross the road there is someone who's standing at the signal waiting for the light to turn green you can be sure that they are germans <laughs> yeah well uh, yeah yeah you're, you're right right uh, and uh, you know well uh, it's, it's you know it's a question that i also think about right i mean like you know you know this word cliches right i mean like you know i think the modern day world uh, you know cliches don't always hold true and uh, you know i, I would uh, also like to share this on the same thoughts you know yes to a certain extent there are a few that hold true but again you know it's not about generalizing you can't say that all of them you know like as you said follow the rules but yes you know the fact that germans and rules they definitely go hand in hand right and uh, i wouldn't say that every single person does that but a majority of them definitely do follow the rules and this one particular example that you said might sound uh, you know uh, uh, funny but it definitely is true and i have personally seen that happen so i would say that the stereotype to a certain extent that's called with germans and the other stereotype that uh, you know uh, which definitely it definitely goes with germans is uh, germans and football right they definitely are a football crazy nation and they love their football and um, you know and they love talking about it and again not all but most of them and uh, the I, i i i'm not sure how many uh, you know uh, people who are not very well acquainted with germans know this but germans and weather is also a cliche or a stereotype that holds very well because germans love complaining about the weather <laughs> right because for them good weather is when it is nice and sunny and any other weather apart from this is shitty weather right so weather is a part of their day to day uh like small talks and they yeah, love complaining yeah. about the weather yeah i mean like you can't hold that against them the weather is shitty in germany most of the time <laughs> yeah true well uh, yeah well again i guess it's a matter of perspective but uh, yes okay anyways arun before i let you go i have since you've spoken so much about football i have let's 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 see how good your football knowledge is or how good your knowledge about bayern munich is so i'm going to ask you a set of questions okay. three questions and uh, let's see if you can answer them all of them right okay let's go bring okay. them on <laughs> so here we go first one who is the only foreign player to have been permanently appointed captain at bayern because that was you know i mean it was a phase when uh, you know there was this a uh, dutch player uh, you know who captained bayern for quite some time uh, you know uh, i i i, I uh, you know uh, was it mark van bommel or something i don't know if that is the answer it probably is mark van bommel so i think okay. I, i think you're about right that, 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 
that's that's my guess too so on and to be honest i don't know the answer so i'm just going on no the... it was because uh, van bommel uh, van bommel yeah you are right okay this is a pretty easy one i guess for you how many times have bayern won the bundesliga you've got to get this well <laughs> 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 uh, i mean like now that you ask in the back of my uh, hand i mean like it is somewhere in the uh, it is 27 28 What what's the one? Give me a number. <laughs> I would say twenty-eight. Yeah, you're right. It is twenty-eight. Anand, <laughs> you saved your you saved yeah, yourself. You saved your skin. That was like probably the easiest one. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. One final question, but this is more on uh, this is more on Germany, okay? And uh, this yep. is a player that I know that you really like. So. <clears throat> How many times did Oliver Kahn represent the German national team? Oh, I have uh, absolutely uh, no clue on the exact numbers, but uh, definitely my 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 guess is I'm assuming not more than hundred. Yeah, it is less than hundred. It's eighty-six games. Okay, yeah, exactly. I didn't know, but I was sure that it was not more than hundred. Okay, but good to know. Thanks for letting me know. Now I remember it. <laughs> okay, not bad, Anand. I mean, like you know, you do know, like uh, your stuff about Bayern. It's not that bad. Those are difficult questions, and the easy one you got it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you go then, Anand. Thanks a lot for being on the show, and uh, hope to catch up soon with you in Birmingham. Uh, well, firstly, I would thank you very much for having uh, given me this chance to, you know, relive and cherish my memories. And uh, you know, after having finished this conversation, finished this conversation with you, I mean, I just feel all charged up now again. And uh, you know, it just felt great, right? I mean, like being able to share uh, and relive old memories with a very good friend. So, thank you, and wishing Priyana all the very best. And uh, we shall definitely stay in touch. Thank you once again.